You realize the task you have chosen is the most difficult sacrifice any person can make. I do it because I love my people. I love my queen. But most of all, I love my mother. I'm sorry, mother. But it was the only way. Hi, this is Dawn Lynn. You're listening to TV Confidential. Greg Airbar is with us for another look at recently released DVD and streaming titles that we think you'll find of interest. Greg, of course, is a two-time Grammy-nominated and multiple Addy Award-winning writer for television, animation, advertising, and publishing for Disney, Warner Brothers, and Universal. He is also co-author, along with Tim Hollis, of Mouse Tracks, the story of Walt Disney Records. You can enjoy Greg's animation spin column at Cartoon research.com for more information about greg go to gregairbar.com greg what do you have for us tonight well we have the new original wonder woman from the 70s the complete collection which has just been restored and remastered for dazzling and beautiful blu-ray does it include the pilot uh, if you're talking about the Linda Carter one, yes, it, yes, it doesn't yes. include the Kathy Lee Crosby no, no, well, one, no. but yes. Right, yeah, yeah, because Linda Carter, for those who may not know, she was not the first television Wonder Woman. There was Warner Brothers did a, did a movie of the week featuring Kathy Lee Crosby as Diana Prince Wonder Woman, and it had some of the – in some respects it was true to the Charles Moulton comic book but it was done more contemporarily, and it, long story short, it, is, it was a failed pilot. It never went anywhere. Whereas the new original Wonder Woman from 75 to 77, that was true to the source material in many respects. Absolutely. I've said this before the program. To me, the best Wonder Womans of that series are the two, the original pilot and... The 13 shows that took place in the 1940s because it was fun. It was a little over the top, but it was fun. Yeah, I think most people would agree, including even the stars of the show. There was a really just an economic reason why that happened, because in a way, Wonder Woman and the first Captain America Marvel film are similar in that they both took place during the war. And so they were able to get away with a, a lighter camp approach. It's not as campy as Batman. It's not comedic, but it is dialed up maybe to, I would say it would be on a scale of uh, one to 10, maybe a five or a six. Yeah. So they're all, they're in on the joke. It's very it's very silly because she has the costume and she looks like she stepped out of a comic book, but we all know that. And in the pilot, they make good they, they make good ironic use of the fact that she is dressed like this, and and they actually did that in the new film too. She she did not look like she fit in walking through the city the same way. So there is a a smile and a wink, but it's not 
Dr. Smith doing the go-go dance with a, uh, with a beetle <laughs> wig on. Yeah, you know. although you mentioned the camp element, it did, if, if, if I remember correctly, uh, Stanley Ralph Ross either wrote the pilot or was very closely involved uh, with the Wonder Woman series for at least the first two years. And... He was, and he, he did develop it, and so it does bear his stamp. And I think that is largely why they brought him in, because the Kathy Lee Crosby one tried very hard to bring Wonder Woman into a 70s non-comic book. How do we bring this sort of thing down to earth? Yeah. And to the point where they they undercamped and and she was I remember the outfit she wore was kind of like a uniform that they'd wear in Tomorrowland. Yeah. You know, like a Disneyland or something. And it, it wasn't so much that it had to be um it's actually it's kind of similar to the costume that the David E. Kelly Wonder Woman character wore, if you remember that that aborted pilot from the early two thousands. I mean she had tights and she had like a skirt and it was a seventies ish kind of thing, but it was also it was it was feminine, but it was not it was contemporary it was at the same time. Very, very feminine, like she's gonna play tennis kind of thing yeah. with with um, Mary Fran. Yes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. It didn't have the spirit at all. So when, when the Linda Carter version came along, it was this breath of fresh air because uh, the late 70s had transformed back in a way into silly and Wonder Woman was silly enough, but not that silly. Yeah. Uh, Bionic Woman was a whole lot less silly because Lindsay Wagner was more dramatic yeah. and, and much more of, a, of, an, of an actor's actor. Linda Carter was a singer, a model, a Miss USA. Who she had was some acting. Experience. She was learning how to act as she was come as she was coming along. And you can see the progression. But they they very wisely chose the light camp which is a way you can do that um, is if you, if you have actors who are learning, if you use that style, it, it actually fits the dialogue and the style of acting. Same with Lyle Wagner. You know, you couldn't have put her against a better Steve Trevor than Lyle Wagner because his way of performing in a Carol Burnett sketch is, is that sort of silly yeah. Yeah. stentorian thing. So it was, a, it was ideal and then you had you had the the car hop from from Happy Days Be- as Beatrice uh, Cohen you know, as Edda <laughs> Beatrice Cole, who I love yeah she's great um, you know and I missed her dearly too and Richard Easton I missed them all when they changed the show um, so yeah you had and I also you know every week there were the the, the bad guys were after Wunderboom yes we will get Wunderboom and, and and some people could manage the accents better than others yeah. Linda um, Linda Day George. She got the accent she was, down. She was great. She was fabulous. She was Fausta. She was yes. the second Wonder Woman. And John Sa- John Saxon, who we lost a couple of days ago as we recorded this conversation, he he played the Nazi agent in the two-parter that introduced Deborah Winger, if I remember correctly. Yes. Yes. Uh, very few people may remember that Deborah Winger's, one of her earliest roles, uh, was playing Wonder Girl, yeah. Drusilla, from Paradise Island. And yeah, that was that was the the fem, feminum episode. The, the feminum mystique. The feminum. Yes. And they go. They all. The, all the Nazis descend on Paradise Island because uh, Wonder Girl Drusilla is so naive that she just tells every you know the, the cute guy wants just pretends he loves her and she tells him everything because she's like Betty and Veronica you know what she tells him they follow them there and they take over and 
uh, that's the second queen. Uh, it's Hippolyta. They don't. Say I was going to say what Wonder Woman had three mothers in the series. Three mothers. Success has three mothers. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Cloris Leachman, uh, Carolyn uh, Jones, and Beatrice Street. All great yeah. too. You know, well, she's she's got this magic power to have different different yeah, looks. That's right. But but each it's and you know what's funny is I think if I had to pick one, I think I like Carolyn Jones best because the Morticia kind of feel that she brings to it yeah. sort of fits the character. Yeah. To me, Cloris Leachman is playing sort of like a sort of like a very powerful magical Phyllis. Yeah, which in, in that wh- role. Which is probably fine for the pilot, because as we mentioned early in our conversation, they were pretty true to the backstory, the original comic book origin of Wonder Woman. And Hippolyta was the queen and she was a very strong woman. And, and I think Phyllis, I think Phyllis, Cloris, Cloris Leachman embodied that. Yes. And so did Carolyn Jones, because in that particular episode, you had the, the Island being taken over and she had to uh, deal with the seeming to be, uh, dominated, but never really being dominated. Yeah. And that, that leads me to the whole issue of, you know, this was a feminist series in the 70s. This was making statements just like the new film does. But it never seemed to be over the top in that way either. Yeah. It always seemed like that, you know, she would say things and, and the whole idea of Paradise Island made absolute perfect sense. Yeah. You know, the world was was screwed up and these dumb guys had done it, but they're not all bad. They're not all stupid because, you know, when she would talk to her, her, her sisters back, you know, it's like, you work for a man. Aren't they all like stupid? You know, well, not all of them. It's, it's this, it's this mutual understanding theme that underlies the feminist theme. Um, It's not all just about proving it's, it's about cooperating and understanding. Yeah. and And, And that's what, that's what I loved about the new movie. I loved the one that Warner did. I loved it. I went back to see it again because I thought Gal Gadot was, was, a, was she just commanded this. She is one of those performers that is like, she's a star. You just knew right away. And they, they wrote it in such a way that you just, you just thought this is Wonder Woman. And she is motivated by what is right. And when she does march into battle, it's not because I am so strong and powerful. It's because I need to save these people. You know, I, these people are worth saving. I have not seen the Gal Gadot movie it's yet. really good. I will make a point of doing that. But uh, the Linda Carter Wonder Woman, which is now available uh, in its completion on Blu-ray, again, true to the character, it, Wonder Woman like Superman, when you think about it, she was able to sublimate herself in her alter ego, Diana Prince, and she was able to sublimate herself as as she assimilated into uh, American society, and that gave her well. For, first of all, the, the fact that she had all these powers, she had the ego to the type of ego that she could sublimate herself for the greater good. You know, I mean, as as she said in the pilot of the series, being this Diana Prince person gives me understanding of the American cultures, and it helped her in the greater mission. Sometimes you have to make change from the inside, even if you're not necessarily in complete agreement with that inside or even necessarily who 
you are reporting to. And, uh, and sometimes if you just stand, move out of it or stand on the sidelines or say, I just won't do it because they're all wrong and, or this person is whatever, then you can't make that change. And I think that she kind of embodies that, you know, it's like, um, uh, because what she did was, okay, while obviously these people were and she was superior to all these people, there's an old saying that the real way to have power, the most effective way to have power is not to use it. Yeah. So what, when she went in, she took, or take us sometimes to move forward, you have to take up a couple of steps back. She took this less important role, but she made more of a difference that they didn't even know about. And as the series progressed, she got much more substantially involved with things. Even in the, even in the early series, you can see where she's much more dependent upon where they do defer to her a whole lot more. And, and what's great about the show, especially for kids is, is that what you see in the Nazis is just the opposite. They're the bad example. They're the example of what not to do because in the Fausta episode, what they very, what's very clever about it is Fausta is her equal but she's working for the other side. Right. Then you've got the, the egomaniac toady Nazi who takes all of her ideas, won't listen to her, wants to wants to make everything his own and, and wants to kick her to the curb. Yes. And so finally, Wonder Woman says, this is exactly what's, that's the example of the bad yeah. of mankind. That's that's what we're trying to fight against. This is, And that's all people, you know. So what he's doing is wrong, and it's wrong to you. You have so much potential. Why are you working for this moron where, where, they, where you can't make a difference? And for this Reich that, that's only destructive, this is a case where you can't make a change. You gotta, And so at the end, you can't have her be totally redeemed because she's done terrible things, but you have her go off into the, into the shadows where she might, which was a great way to say, here's an example of what... That's a strong feminist statement. Yeah. There. That's that's the secretary who's doing all the boss's work for her. And then he says, you are nothing. I'm the boss, yeah. you know, but that's not what Steve would ever do to Diana. Right. You know, you see him respecting her. You see the general respecting her. So you see good behavior modeled. That's how you that's how you do this sort of theme. You don't have to keep saying it and put it under the screen and have the actor say you show it by good example and by people who are good and people who are bad, you know, and this is, that's, this is, this, that's why the show's fun, but it also, even, even though it's old fashioned and it's cheesy and, you know, now that I live in California, I'm like, that's Griffith Park, you know, that's, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's fun. It's, it's fun to be able to spot. So a lot of these, locations wonder it's, woman is available in its entirety on blu-ray through our friends at uh, warner brothers archive we were talking about actors some actors were better at doing the the the, the nazi accent than than others robert reed as i recall he was kind of okay but we are living in a time of pandemic right now the Robert Reed episode is eerily contemporary today because it had to do with a plague. Yeah, yeah. He plays a super criminal called the Falcon. Yes. And he chewed up more scenery in that role than Tramp did before he vanished from the Brady house. Yes, yes. It is a, it is a hammy, it is. hammy, hammy. It but is. he was seemed to be enjoying himself, and he was also very mean to Doctor Bellows. That's right. Doctor Bellows plays the hero in that episode. He's a he's a, a Hayden Rourke. He, he's a geo, he's a seismologist. Um, yeah. yeah, he's a seismologist, 
and and he's called upon to help the um, to, to help the army foil the Nazi plot to simulate earthquakes. And uh, and there's a great scene, and it, this shows just what a great character Wonder Woman was. And and even though Linda Carter is still, as you mentioned earlier, learning her craft as she's going along. Uh, playing this character within the confines of episodic television where you got to shoot everything quickly. She's holding her own with Hayden Rourke in the scenes in the in the laboratory where they're working out mathematical problems. And and I love that scene. Yeah, and, and and you get the sense that Hayden Rourke enjoyed working with Linda Carter while filming that show. Linda Carter is a is a major was a major find because what happened was she became famous as Linda Carter and as Wonder Woman Linda Carter. And at the time was doing Maybelline commercials, a lot of personal appearances and became known as a singer. And even though the series changed and CBS, uh, ABC was sort of not sure what they wanted to do. And CBS took it, but they said, okay, uh, we want to cut the budget. So we don't want to pay for old cars and all of the costumes. So let's make it contemporary. Even though they did one, sort of neo-Nazi episode. Barry Denon played Hitler. Yeah, the Hitler clone. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. They mostly was contemporary. We'll talk some more about the differences between the ABC Wonder Woman and the CBS Wonder Woman when we come back as we continue our look at the Wonder Woman Blu-ray collection with Greg Airbar on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit FrontPorchRealtyGroup.com for more information on how they can help you. 